0: Be here last sabbath we were at a an amen conference so we weren't able to join you but we really miss you whenever we're not here so thank you for being our church family i am so excited we've been studying the pillars of our faith and today is one of my favorite subjects to share and so before we start let's have a word of prayer and ask god to be with us and just a fair warning this is a bible study so i want to see your bibles out i'm going to be asking you to read from me as well So be ready for that, okay? Heavenly Father, gracious King, thank you for Sabbath. Thank you for your word that speaks to us and gives us light into what is truth and what is error. And Lord, I pray that today you will speak to us, speak to our hearts, help us to sharpen the word of God, be prepared to share your word. And Lord, as we head out, help us to bring your truth to other people as well. We pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. It was a rainy day, and this pastor, an Adventist pastor, was driving, driving and driving, and all of a sudden, his car stopped running. And he was in the middle of nowhere in Texas, and he, he, he didn't know what to do. So he pulled out of the car, and he looked around and saw that there was a nearby house. So he ran to that house and asked the gentleman if he could stay there until the rain stopped, and then he could figure out what was wrong with the car, and then continue on the journey. So as they were, as they were talking and, and getting to know each other, they found out that both of them were pastors. So guess what they started talking about? The Bible. They started talking about what they believed and how excited they were. And when this pastor found out that, that he was Adventist, the one that had the issue with the car, he was like, oh, wow, that's wonderful. He's like, you guys are the ones that believe about the state of the dead, that people die, that they don't go to hell. That is, the, that is the truth. It really is. And so the Adventist pastor's like, yes, I, I believe that's the truth. Um, and he said, do you, do you preach that as well in your church? He's like, oh, no, we don't preach that. He's like, if I preach that, I would lose a lot of members. He's like... If I teach them that they're going to hell, boy, do they keep coming. <laughs> you know, from the very beginning, there's been a huge deception on the state of the dead, hasn't there been? When you see videos, movies, articles, people talking, what is the thing that comes up all the time, and people don't even think about it, is that, oh, so-and-so died, where, the, where are they? In heaven. It, it's so natural for everybody to share this. And nobody ever wonders, is this true or is this not true? Where does it come from? Everywhere I see, it's being taught over and over again, whether you read a book, whether you see something, illustrations. And very few people ask the question, what is the real truth? Now, today I want to share with you this topic. And why I'm so excited to share this topic is because... God's character has been misrepresented for so many years. And it is our privilege to share the true light and his true character by showing what this is. So I wanna start from the very beginning. Let's go to Genesis chapter three, verse four. And we wanna see from the Bible what it says. Genesis chapter three, verse four. So Adam and Eve are in the garden. There's the tree. And they, um, Eve comes to the tree. And what does Satan tell her? Who can remember? Ye shall not surely die. Not surely die. Now, what had God told them if they ate the fruit? You will, you will die. Very good. You will most certainly die. But the serpent came to her and told her, Will not die. On the contrary, he said, For God doth know that in that day, she said, on um, the serpent said unto the woman, Ye shall not surely die, for God doth know that in the day ye eat thereof, then your eyes shall be open, and ye shall be as gods, knowing good and evil. Now, from the very start, Satan brought a lie, and the lie was that you will not die. Now, why did Satan want to do this? Tell me, why do you think Satan wanted or thought that saying this lie would be any, for any good to him? Any thoughts? Now think of this. When you think of what happens when a, what happens when a person's die, what is the common thought? They either go to heaven, or if they're bad, they go to. Now, what does that tell you about God's character? Yeah, he's a tyrant, right? He enjoys, he he can see people suffering for years and years and years, and yet he some people, oh, they they get the benefit and they have this glorious time. But now I want to see what the Bible says. And I'm sure a lot of you have studied this, but I want you to be solid in the Bible verses to be able to share with other people as well. Let's start with the first question. Does man have an immortal soul? Does man have an immortal soul? Let's start in Romans 6.23. Can one person read that one? Anybody? Romans 6.23. And then somebody else, Ezekiel 18.4. Ezekiel 18.4. Okay, let's have the first person read Romans 6.23. Okay, thank you, Lisa. the
1: wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ,
0: our Lord. Amen. So God again says the wages of sin is death. It's still the same from the beginning all the way till Jesus come. The result of sin is always death. But what was the solution to this problem? What was the solution to sin? Christ, Christ dying. Christ paid the price so that we can have eternal life, and that's a beautiful promise. Now, if the Bible taught that when you sin, you die, but you go to hell, wouldn't then Jesus have to pay that price as well for it to be equal? Wouldn't Jesus then also have to go through hell to be able to say that he paid the full price? Right? But Jesus did not go through hell because that's not taught in the Bible. Jesus paid the price of death, the same death that we would be going through, eternal death if we didn't have salvation with Jesus Christ, right? So Jesus paid the price and we know from the Bible, wages of sin is death. Let's look at Ezekiel 18:4. What happens when a person dies? Do we have immortal souls? That's the question. Ezekiel 18:4. shall die very clear right any confusion with that no the soul that sins die now let's look in first timothy 6:15 6, through 16 first timothy chapter 6 verses 15 through 16 and somebody else if i could have a volunteer first corinthians 15 52 to 53 so somebody first corinthians 6:15 6, and 16 first timothy sorry. and then the second person first corinthians 15 Fifty two to fifty three. So the first person? First Timothy? First Timothy six, fifteen and sixteen. Go ahead. Amen. So what does the verse say? Who has immortality now? God, our sovereign God. So do humans have immortality? Let's keep looking. 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verse 52 to 53. And if I can have a volunteer read that one as well. (laughs) Thank you. 1 Corinthians 15. (laughs) <laughs> Thank you so much.
1: Sure. Fifteen and
0: 52? Fifteen? Fifteen? Fifty-two to fifty-three.
1: In a moment, in a twinkle of an eye, at the last trumpet, for the trumpet will sound, and the dead will be raised incorruptible, and we shall be changed. Fifty-three. For this corruptible must put on incorruption, and this mortal must put on immortality.
0: What a gift, right? So right now we're mortal beings, right? But God has a precious gift. And when is he going to give us that gift of immortality? What does the verse say? When he comes. When he comes at the trump. It says he will take our mortality and robe us with the clothes of immortality. What a precious gift that he has saved for us. So we know from the, from the first question, does man have a mortal soul? No, but one day we will, thanks to, his, thanks to his gift at the second trump. Now the second question, what happens when a person dies? Psalms 146, verse 4. Psalms 146, verse 4. And somebody else can read Ecclesiastes 9, 5 to 10. Ecclesiastes 9, 5 to 10. And I told you it's a Bible study, so we're going to be going through a lot of Bible verses. Psalm 146, verse 4. Can somebody read that for me? 146,
1: verse 4. His breath goeth forth, he returneth to this earth. His earth, in that very day, his
0: thoughts perish. Isn't that clear? His thoughts perish. Now imagine if when we died, our thoughts didn't perish. What would that be like? Imagine seeing your beloved people, the ones you love, suffering, making bad decisions, seeing ro- wars and rumors of wars and destruction. Do you think that would be pleasant? Do you think that would be a gift if you were able to, after dying, be able to see all that's happening? Tell me the truth, would you want to do that? It would be suffering to see your loved ones going through so much pain. But thankfully, when we die, it says our thoughts perish. Ecclesiastes nine, five to ten. Let's keep reading. Can somebody read that for me? Any volunteers?
1: I want with a very heart for God now
0: Mm. Very clear. It says, whatever you're going to do, do it what? Now, because when you're in the grave, there's no work, there's no thoughts, there's nothing else. I want to read something from the Great Controversy, which kind of gives us an idea of, of why God is so merciful to us in giving us death as a sleep where there is no thought. It says, According to the popular belief, the redeemed in heaven are acquainted with all that takes place on the earth, and especially with the lives of friends whom they have left behind. But how could it be a source of happiness to the dead to know the troubles of the living, to witness the sins committed by their own loved ones, and to see them enduring all the sorrows, disappointments, and anguish of life? How much of heaven's bliss would be enjoyed by those who were hovering over their friends on earth? And how utterly revolting is the belief that as soon as the breath leaves the soul of the impenitent is consigned to flames of hell, to what depths of anguish must those be plunged who see their friends passing to the grave unprepared to enter upon an eternity of woe and sin? Many have been driven to insanity by this harrowing thought. You know, many people have not believed in Christianity because of this falsehood. Many, many Christians. Why? Because they cannot imagine a God of love that would treat his own people that way. Right? But God saves us from that pain and gives us sleep. What a precious gift. What a promise. The, The thing to think that even though death is something we don't want to experience, God has given us the promise that we won't be suffering when we die. It's just going to be sleep. We don't have any thoughts. Psalm 6, 5 also talks about that. Psalm 6, 5, Psalms 115, 17. If I can have somebody read Psalms 115, 17. Can somebody read that for me? Would you like to read?
1: I read that. Okay, go for it, Jonathan. Psalm 115, verse 17. Yes. The dead do not praise the Lord, nor any who go down into silence.
0: That's right. It is so clear, and unfortunately, the enemy has opened many ways to deceive us today by having, you know, family members come back and talk to us. There's so many people that still believe that dead people can come back and talk but yet the bible is so clear the dead don't have any thoughts the dead cannot speak the dead cannot work they cannot even praise god you know in the bible it talks about death as being asleep over 50 times and my question is why are we still so confused about it why is there even a confusion about it so what is death described in the bible let's look up a story Um, A very common story, John chapter 11. And it's when Jesus is going to raise Lazarus. And I'm sure you're all familiar with the story. John chapter 11. And we see that John is with his disciples. They send messengers and say, Jesus, please come because your friend Lazarus is sick, right? But after a few days, Lazarus passed away. And let's look up, let's start in verse 9. Jesus answered, Are there not twelve hours in the day? If any man walk in the day, he stumbleth not, because he seeth the light of this world. But if a man walk in the night, he stumbleth, because there is no light in him. Now verse 11. These things said he, and after that he saith unto them, Our friend Lazarus sleeps, but I go that I may awake him out of sleep. So now the disciples are like, sleeping. Well, if somebody's sleeping, do you need to go and raise them up? No, they're going to wake up, right? They're sleeping. If somebody's sleeping, you just shake them, and what happens? They wake up. They wake up. <laughs> so the disciples are like, Jesus, I don't, I don't think, I don't think so. But let's keep reading. Then said to his disciples, Lord, if he sleeps. He shall do well. Then there's no problem. If he's just sleeping, then there's no issue. Howbeit Jesus spake of his death. But they thought that he had spoken of him taking of rest in sleep. Then said Jesus unto them plainly. He's like, there's no confusion about this. Lazarus is dead. But yet he referred to death as sleep. And I am glad for your sakes that I was not there to to the intent ye may believe. Nevertheless, let us go unto him. So here we see that God himself made it super clear. Death is what? Is like, it's like a sleep. There is no thought. And there's verse after verse, 1 Kings 2.10, Psalms 13.3, Daniel 12.2, Job 14.12-13, that all talk about death as being asleep, as being like sleeping. But the time is running out, so I'm going to go to the next section. Now, who will wake up in the, in the last time and when? Let's look up John 6, 40. John chapter 6, verse 40. And somebody else, if you can look up 1 Thessalonians 4, 15 through 17, which was our scripture reading. So let's start with John chapter 6, verse 40. Can somebody read that for me? John chapter 6, verse 40.
1: For this is the will of my Father, that everyone who sees his Son and believes in him should have eternal life. And I will raise him up at the
0: last day. I will raise him up at the last day. So the promise is there. Our beloved people. The ones that died, the ones that have passed away, those that we love, there is a blessed hope, right? There is that promise that at the second coming, God will wake them up. He will give the reward. Let's look in First Thessalonians four fifteen through seventeen. Another beautiful promise of when this will happen. Mm. Amen. What a promise. This is the blessed hope. That when he comes with the voice of the archangel and with the trump of God, those that sleep in him shall rise up again. God is a God of love. And for, for us to understand his character, we need to understand the truth about the state of the dead. He loves people. He loves to give life. He loves to see people come to his kingdom, but it ultimately is our choice, right? Whether we choose to follow him or we choose to follow the enemy and follow his lies. And unfortunately, for many years, from the pulpit, good men have been teaching a false representation of God's character, not founded on the Bible, but the paganism infiltrating into Christianity and therefore changing the way people think through things. Now, when I was young, I was one day canvassing. Um, I don't know how many of you have canvassed or culported. I was knocking on doors, and one day, um, came to the door, the guy started talking to me. I started sharing about the books, and he said, so what do you believe about hell? That was the first question. I was very young, and I was kind of shocked, because I wasn't prepared to answer about hell. And so he said, so, yeah, what do you believe? So I explained to him what I believed, but in my mind, I, I didn't have Bible verses that I could just pull from and be like, oh, it says this in here and this and that, here in in the book of John. And that day I left and I promised, I said, God, I want to have a sharp sword. I want to have your truths in my mind that I can be ready to share any time. So after that, I went to the Bible and I start looking from beginning 10 all the books all the verses that talked about death hell and I wanted to understand it well because I wanted to know how to explain it to other people but I came across a a verse in the Bible a parable that brought a lot of confusion and I want to read I want to study it with you today to almost finishing here and kinda go through this parable and understand because a lot of people pull this verse and say here this teaches the dead people Do things do go up, but with our foundation, we know that that's not true. But let us read this parable and and dig through it and understand it. Um, Luke chapter 16, verses 19 to 31. And I don't know if it has caused confusion to you, but when I was when I went back home and studied this, I was like, What about this? But when it when I understood it, when I studied it, it makes sense, and um. Now I can say the Bible is very clear. We just need to study it, right? Luke chapter 16, verses 19 through 31. Okay, so right before this, we see that there's a couple of parables. There's the parable about the sheep. There's the parable um, about the sun coming in. He's a broken father. There's ser- several parables that he's been talking about right before here that he's been sharing. And in chapter 16, he continues sharing, and he says um, in verse 1, And he said also unto his disciples, There was a certain rich man, which had a steward, and the same was accused unto him, that he had wasted his goods. Um, look. Sorry, I am in the wrong verse. Verse 19. <laughs> Yes, thank you so much. There was a certain rich man which was clothed in purple fine linen, fared sumptuously every day. And there was a certain beggar named, what? Lazarus. Interesting that he chose that name. Which was laid at his gate full of sores, and desiring to be fed with the crumbs which fell from the rich man's table. Moreover, the dogs came and licked his sores. And it came to pass that the beggar died and was carried by the angels unto Abraham's bosom. The rich man also died and was buried. And in hell he lift up his eyes, being in torment, and seeth Abraham afar off, and Lazarus in his bosom. And he cried and said, Father Abraham, have mercy on me, and send Lazarus that he may dip the tip of his fingers in water and cool my tongue. For I am what? tormented in this flame. But Abraham said, Son, remember that thou in thy lifetime receiveth thy good things, and likewise Lazarus evil things. But now he is comforted, and now thou art tormented. And beside all this, between us and you there is what? A great gall fixed, so that they which would pass from hence to you cannot. Neither can they pass to us, that would come from thence. Then he said, I pray thee, therefore, Father, that thou wouldest send him to my father's house. For I have five brethren, that he may testify unto them, lest they also come in this place of torment. Abraham said unto them, They have Moses and the prophets. Let them hear them. And he said, Nay, Father Abraham, but if one went unto them from the dead, they will repent. And he said unto him, If they hear not Moses and the prophets, neither will they be persuaded the one rose from the dead. Kind of an interesting parable, right? But knowing the foundation that we've been going through, we have a strong foundation to understand it. But not only that, there's, there's so many lessons from this parable that we can learn from today. And I just wanted to go through it to, to be able to share that with others and not be confused from it. So before that, we see that he's been teaching parables. And what are parables? Stories. They're stories, right? Stories. Illustrations? Stories. Like this morning, that's right. They teach us lessons that we can pull from. But are they literal? When he talks about the sheep being lost, does it say that we are also sheep? That we have four legs and we're walking around like sheep? No, right? No. It's a parable. Now, if we understand it as a parable, we'll understand the points because it, it makes sense. If you go to Hebrews 11, 8 to 10, Abraham's bosom is not in heaven. You can see that from Hebrews 8, 1 to 10. So if you believe this wasn't you know a, a parable, then you would also have to believe that trees can talk because if you see in Judges um, 9... 8 to 15, it talks about a parable as well, saying that the trees talk, but we know that trees don't talk. Another thing is, people in hell can talk to those in heaven. If we look at Isaiah chapter 65, verse 17, we see that there's not that communication between heaven and hell. Another thing, the dead are, where are the dead? They're in their graves. Job 17, 3, John 5, 28 and 29. Says the rich man was in bodily form with eyes and a tongue, etc. Yet when we know that the body goes does not go to hell at death, it is very obvious that the body remains in the grave, as the Bible says, right? He couldn't be speaking and talking if we know that the Bible says that they cannot talk. And secondly, Revelation 22 says that the reward comes when? When people die or when the second coming happens? At the second coming. So if the person died and received the reward, then why would Jesus come at the second coming saying he's bringing the reward? Right? It wouldn't make sense. He would be coming before it's supposed to be. Um, And lastly, the 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 lost are punished in hell at the end of the world Not when they die, according to Matthew 13, 40 to 42. So, what is the point of the story? We cannot take it literally, obviously, because it wouldn't make sense. But here it's representing a beggar that is in heaven and a rich man that is lost. Jesus taught his hearers that, contrary to everybody that thought that wealth was an indicator of what? Of God's blessing, God's divine favor. And that poverty was a sign of what? Curse. Curse, God's judgment, that you were not a beloved person. Here Jesus was trying to educate people, telling them that everybody had the birthright. Everybody had the opportunity to be saved. The rich man in torment calls out to Father Abraham, just as the Jews of Jesus' day were mistakenly pointing to heritage as a proof of their assurance of salvation. You know, sometimes we think, oh, I'm an avid, oh, I'm a Christian. Because of that, you know, I'm inherited. But God gives this gift to everybody. No matter where you're coming from, this gift is for everybody. Furthermore, he wanted people to understand that only faithfulness to God's word would prepare them to enter into eternal life. He told them, if ye hear not most of the prophets, Neither will they be persuaded, though one rose from the dead. You know, before we we saw that Lazarus was brought from the dead, Jesus did raise Lazarus from the dead, and they still did not believe in Jesus. And here Jesus was trying to bring out a lesson of faithfulness and being trust in God's word and understanding of what he's done in our lives. So to finish off, there's so much to talk about this, but time obviously has has taken advantage. God's character has been misrepresented. The God of love, the God that cares, the God that gave his life so that we could live, all because of that one lie that Satan gave at the very beginning, thou shalt not die. And my prayer today is that in everything that we do, we don't misrepresent his character. Because many times people fall. It's a stumbling block for other people because they don't understand who God really is. So as we go through life, I pray that we will will keep God's word in our heart. Sharpen it, understand it, share it with others. And not let the enemy deceive us with lies. Because if we see all around us, he's been pretty successful. And we have a beautiful privilege of sharing with others the truth of his true character. And bringing to light what a God of love he is. That he cares so much about us that he cares about when we live when we die, and he gives us a blessed hope of eternal life. So I pray this was an encouragement to you, whether it's been to study the Bible more or to share God's character with others. Let's have a word of prayer. Gracious and heavenly Father, thank you. Thank you so much for your word. It is true and it is faithful. Thank you because we don't live out of fear. We can live knowing and trusting in the truth that you give us. We can choose you out of love. Lord, help us not to be like the Pharisees, but to believe in you and trust in you. Father, help us to share your truth, your character of love with others in everything that we do. Bless us the Sabbath, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen.